As you are seated, open your Bibles to the book of Judges. Puede tomar su lugar y vamos a ir al libro de los jueces. We're going to begin in Judges chapter 1 and 3. We're going to begin our study there, but we're going to go to the last chapter first. Vamos a ir al, al último capítulo de jueces primero. Y luego vamos a ir al capítulo 1. Praise the Lord. Are you having a happy new year so far? Are you off to a good start? Well, you're in God's house tonight, so I know you're off to a good start. Praise the Lord. We're going to begin a new series, a new Bible study tonight on the book of Judges. Vamos a comenzar una serie, un estudio nuevo esta noche, y vamos a basarnos en el libro de los jueces. The book of Judges is a, a unique book in the uh, Bible. El libro de Jueces es un libro único en la Biblia. Uh, bastante interesante, it's very interesting. And it tells us the story of what happened between Joshua and Samuel. Es el libro que nos da conexión entre la vida de Josué y la vida de Samuel. So this is the part of Israel's history where they did not have a king. Y aquí está la, la parte de la historia de Israel donde no tenían un rey. So go to the last chapter of the last, uh, the last verse of the last chapter of Judges. El último verso del último capítulo um, de Jueces. Have you found Judges? If you haven't found it. Say, wait. Have you found Judges? All right. Judges 21, 25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Let's, uh, if you would, say that last phrase with me. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Let's try that again. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Do you not think this verse describes America today? Dice, en esos días no había rey en Israel y todos hacían lo que estaba bien en sus propios ojos. Creo que este verso defina para nosotros nuestra nación y la época en la cual estamos viviendo. I think this verse, unfortunately, defines for us what America is going through right now. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. God is not king in America. And because we don't acknowledge him as our God... We have devolved to a place where we do what is right in our own eyes. Porque como nación hemos dejado a Dios y Dios nos reina sobre nosotros. Hemos llegado, hemos bajado a un lugar donde todos hacen lo que está bien en sus propios ojos. And so I believe that studying the book of Judges is an important topic for us as we Aim to be the church in the world. 
Estudiar el libro de jueces es importante porque nuestra meta es ser la iglesia en el mundo. Not to be a church like the world or of the world. No ser iglesia del mundo o como el mundo, pero ser iglesia en el mundo. Ser luz en las tinieblas, to be light in darkness. And so I want you to uh, join with me in, in uh, studying this book. Vamos a uh, estudiar este libro. Y quiero que usted uh, tome su tiempo conmigo para estudiarlo y ver lo que Dios tiene para nosotros en él. I want you to study it with me. We're going to see what God has for us in this book. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come to your word tonight. I pray that you would anoint me to teach your word. I pray that you would anoint these, this congregation to hear the word. And I pray that together we would be determined to serve the Lord and to do what is right in your eyes. I pray this in Jesus' name. Let everybody say a hearty amen. 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 All right. We're going to look tonight at the first judge of Israel. And I want to explain that in just a moment, but I want to tell you a little bit about the book of Judges. The book of Judges is a story of seven cycles of apostasy which occur in the book. In el libro de jueces hay siete ciclos de apostasía que ocurren. And uh, what is a cycle of apostasy? Basically, it's a circle in which the nation of Israel traveled in their behavior. Es un circo en el cual la nación de Israel viajó en su comportamiento. At the top of the circle, if you're taking notes, just at the top of the circle, you have, they feared the Lord. Arriba del de el ciclo está, ellos temieron a Jehová. And whenever a people fears the Lord, blessing comes. You should say amen. Whenever a people fears the Lord, blessing comes. Cuando un pueblo teme a Dios, viene la bendición. The Bible said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. El principio de la sabiduría es el temor a Dios. But then the Bible says that they would go and serve other gods. That's the next part of the cycle. Luego ellos iban y oraban o adoraban a otros dioses. Ahora es otra parte del ciclo. Y les iba mal. And uh, they would serve other gods. And now the Lord would send a foreign nation to devour them. Y Jehová permitía que una nación, un enemigo, entrara y devastara sus hogares. Now they're at the bottom of the cycle. Ahora están abajo del ciclo. And they would cry out to the Lord. Y ellos clamaban a Jehová. So notice, they feared the Lord, they rejected the Lord, the Lord sent an enemy, they cried out to the Lord. Now the cycle begins up and the Lord would send a judge. Luego el ciclo comienza a dar vuelta hacia arriba y Jehová enviaba un juez. Now these judges were not elected men uh, or women, they were, they were people and primarily men who were raised up by God out of a particular crisis in order to deliver the nation or deliver a region. They never served the whole nation of Israel, they were regional uh, in their in their efforts, and so uh, this judge would be raised up by the Lord, and the cycle would move upward, and the Lord would bring deliverance, and then they would be up at top again, and they would fear the Lord. 
You guys ever been through that cycle? I hope we're all on top right now. ¿Cuántos han pasado ese ciclo? Espero que todos estén arriba ahorita temiendo a Jehová. I think we've all been through that cycle. That's why the book of Judges is so important. They went through this cycle seven times in the book. Siete veces vemos este patrón en el libro. And when you read Judges, because I know you are, because now I told you we're studying Judges and you already decided I'm going to go home and I'm going to read the book of Judges, right? Uh, I'm already, I know what you're thinking. So when you read the book of Judges, you're going to find the pattern. And the people would fear the Lord and the people rejected the Lord and the people, um, uh, the, the Lord sent an enemy and the people cried out to the Lord and the Lord raised up a judge and the judge delivered them and the people feared the Lord. But this cycle keeps happening in some of your lives. The, the cycle keeps happening in the lives of some of the people you're related to, doesn't it? Este, este ciclo, este circo, parece ser que sigue uh, dándose vuelta en nuestras vidas y la vida de algunos de los que conocemos. Y uh, es, es necesario... Porque yo sé que en su corazón hay un deseo de quebrar ese ciclo. And I know that in the, in the heart of any one of you where this cycle has been perpetrated in your life, you have a desire to break the cycle. How many of you want to break cycles like that? El deseo de quebrar ese circo. Servirle a Dios, no servirle, buscarle, Él me redime, me saca del problema, le sirvo otra vez y luego doy otra vez el, el, la vuelta. And he doesn't want you in that cycle. God told us on Sunday, he said, you have been around this mountain long enough. Say enough is enough. Now, I, you need to say it with some conviction, all right? Say enough is enough. Now, it's good for us to look at the devil and say, enough is enough. But it's better to look in the mirror. And say, enough is enough. Es muy bueno decirle al diablo, ya basta. No voy a dar vuelta con esto otra vez. El Señor nos dijo el domingo, ya han dado vueltas con este monte suficientes veces, bastante tiempo, ya basta. Pero es mejor mirarnos en el espejo y decir, ya basta. Say enough is enough. Is it really? You see, because Israel wouldn't get to enough is enough until they were destroyed by their enemies. And here's the trouble, because you and I live in a world where everybody does what's right in their own eyes. Sometimes the church adopts the idea that we can do what's right in our own eyes. But God has standards. Standards that lead to blessings. A veces porque vivemos en un mundo en el cual parece ser que todos hacen lo que quieren, lo que está bien en sus propios ojos. Adoptamos la mentalidad del mundo que decimos puedo hacer lo que yo quiero, puedo, puedo vivir conforme a, a, esté bien en mis propios ojos. Y la verdad es que Dios no bendicirá eso. God will not bless the world's system. He will not bless the world's way. He has called us out from among them to be separate. Él nos ha llamado desde 
esa, de ese mundo a ser un pueblo separado hacia Dios. Now you need to tune into this because either if you're in a cycle or you know people who are, there are ways that God has established for us to get out of cycles, to break the cycles that are in our lives. Some of you broke a cycle of poverty last, last fall. How many of you broke that cycle? Don't go back now. This is usually how it happens. You hear a message, it gets right to the core of the problem, and you turn away from that thing that's, that's uh, working in, uh, against you. A veces pasa así que recibemos un mensaje, ese mensaje llega a la cima de lo que está pasando en nuestro corazón, nos arrepentimos, comenzamos a hacerlo conforme Dios we start doing things God's way. God starts blessing us. We start getting comfortable. Dios nos bendice. Nos ponemos confortable y vamos y regresamos a lo que estábamos haciendo antes. And the Lord blesses you and once you get comfortable, you go back to where you were when you got into trouble the first place. Is Kingsway here tonight? All right, say enough is enough. All right, go to chapter, chapter 3. Vaya al capítulo 3, verse 7, capítulo 3, verso 7. The sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And forgot the Lord their God. What did they do? How do you forget God? Dice, el pueblo de Israel hizo lo malo en los ojos de Jehová y olvidaron a Jehová. How do you forget God? I'm asking a question. ¿Cómo olvidamos a Dios? You guys all have some suggestions. You, you know how this happens, right? We start focusing on the blessings, on the comforts, or even on the problem. And we begin to forget God. You see, we think a life of worship is the, is, the, is the fruit of a good walk with God, and it is. But really, it is also the best defense against forgetting God. Una vida de adoración, a veces pensamos, es una señal de madurez, y sí lo es. Pero también una vida de adoración es una vida que es una defensa al olvido de Dios. If you're living a life of a worshiper, it'll be a lot harder to forget God. Si usted está viviendo la vida de un adorador, va a ser más difícil olvidar a Dios. If you make it a, a pattern in your life to be in worship every Lord's Day, si usted lo hace un patrón en su vida, que usted va a estar en la adoración todos los días del Señor, Va a ser más difícil olvidarlo. 
If you make it a pattern to give the first 10% of your finances to God, it's a lot harder to forget God, isn't it? Now, see, right now I'm preaching to the choir because you are the cream of the crop. But lest you forget, I need you to know this. Si usted pone a Dios primero en su, en su dinero dándole el diezmo, no lo va a olvidar. Si usted lo pone primero en el día del Señor y viene a adorar a Dios, es más difícil adorarlo. Pero cuando usted comienza a ser negligente hacia esas cosas, when you start to be negligent concerning those things, then it becomes a lot easier to forget God. And this is what happens for the nation of Israel. They forget the Lord. Now, I get concerned when I don't see people in worship. That's why I'll ask uh, sometimes, and I'll, I'll get your number and I'll call you if I don't see you in worship. Or I'll ask, do you know where so-and-so is? No. You think it's because I want you to be here to hear me preach? No, it's because I have a concern that if you're not in worship, you're on the cycle that's going to cause you to forget God. Is it all right to talk to you like this? Is it all right if your pastor pastors you? Now, some people, they just, they, they set a pattern, and the elders and I, we just have to kind of let them do what they want because they're going to do what's right in their own eyes. But you need to make up in your mind, if I'm going to break the cycles out of which God brought me, I need to do things differently. Si usted va a quebrar el ciclo del cual Dios lo sacó, entonces tiene que hacer las cosas diferentes. If you're going to break the cycle of poverty, you can't keep doing things a poor way. If you're going to break the cycle of sin in your life, you can't keep going back to that sin. And God has given us the power and grace of the Holy Spirit to enable us to live the life that He desires for us. Dios nos ha dado en la gracia y el poder del Espíritu Santo para vivir la vida que Él quiere para nosotros. Pero hay una decisión que tenemos que hacer. Cuando usted no viene a la adoración, Usted está caminando en ese ciclo que lo va a desviar y lo va a llevar a olvidar a Dios. What time does our service start on Sunday morning? Eight and what? Eight and ten. What time? Also, you do know. ¿A qué horas comienzan los servicios en domingo en la mañana? A las ocho y a las diez, entonces sí saben. Es que yo pensé el domingo pasado cuando no llegaron algunos, es que no sabían la hora. Pero sí sabían la hora. I thought when some of you didn't show up, you, were, you were, didn't know what time church was, but you do know what time church is. Pastor's making me uncomfortable tonight. Of all the days to come to Bible study, you see, you missed all the uh, icing. We've been having some icing around here. Christmas Eve, we had a s- strawberry Sunday, didn't we? 
with a cherry on top. Wasn't it good? First Sunday, wasn't it good? First Sunday night, wasn't it good? All right, so now I'm giving you the spinach. I showed up for spinach. Don't get nervous. We're going to make it through this, this teaching, all right? It's going to be all right. What time do we start on Sunday morning? Eight and ten. So not ten thirty. Not eleven. So why is it when I begin to preach, I still people walking in? Pastor. I've I've gone four years never breathed the word of this to anybody, but I'm about to breathe the word. Because we're not building a crowd, we're building a church. I said we're building a church. The kind of church the gates of hell can't prevail against. But you think the kind of church the, the gates of hell can't prevail against shows up late? I love you. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Actually, it doesn't. Saben que los amo. Pero si el servicio comienza a las ocho y las diez, entonces por qué a veces cuando estoy predicando apenas viene llegando el pueblo. Si no estamos edificando solamente un una audiencia, pero una iglesia. La iglesia a la cual ni las puertas de la Hades prevalecerán contra ella. Pero esa iglesia, por lo menos, debe saber llegar a tiempo. Y adorar a Dios. It's so quiet. Tell your neighbor, my pastor loves me. Dígale a su vecino, mi pastor me ama. Now, let's do that again, but with some conviction. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, my pastor loves me. All right. The sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Ashtoreth. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Does God have a right to expect fruit from us? All right. I knew you knew the answer to that. So that he sold them into the hands of Cush Rithaim king of Mesopotamia. Now that name right there literally means double evil. And it's a prophetic name because out of this uh, land of Mesopotamia would come the two evils that would destroy Israel and Judah, which would be the Assyrians and the Babylonians. 
So this is a big enemy. Aquí vemos un enemigo grande, el cual su nombre significa doble maldad. De Mesopotamia, el cual saldrían los asirios y los babilonios, y ellos serían los enemigos de Israel, los cuales destruirían a Israel y a Judá. Es un enemigo grande. And the sons of Israel served Cush, Rish, Atharim eight years. And when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, how long did they serve him? ¿Cuánto tiempo le sirvieron a este enemigo? Ocho años. I hope it won't take us eight years to cry out to the Lord. Ocho años y luego clamaron a Jehová. And the Lord raised up a deliverer. I said the Lord raised up a deliverer. How many of you are about ready for some deliverance? You see the cycle? They're at the bottom. They cry out to the Lord. Where do you start when you're at rock bottom? Cry out to the Lord. ¿Dónde comienzas cuando estás abajo? Clama Jehová. I love the psalmist. He said that this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. El salmista lo dijo, este pobre hombre lloró. You see, here's what I love about this book because seven times this happened, seven times they hit rock bottom, seven times they cried out to God, and seven times the Lord heard them. Come on, church. I'm talking about a God that will hear you from your mess that you made because you disobeyed him and you shouldn't get a deliverer, but he will hear our cry. Thank God for his grace. Come on, somebody. We're not talking about, we're not talking about he, just, he just rescued them out of a little trouble. This was a cycle, and every time they cried out, he heard them. Cada vez que ellos pecaban contra Jehová, siete veces llegaron abajo, siete veces perdieron todo, siete veces y siete veces clamaron a Jehová y Jehová los escuchó. I don't know, I'm going to take a moment and just thank the Lord that he heard me when I called on his name. Yo le voy a tomar un momento para agradecerle a Dios que él me oyó cuando yo clamé a su nombre. Come on somebody, just take a break and give God some praise. For hearing you when you were in trouble. He told you don't marry that man. And you married him. And you cried out to God and God heard you. He said don't, don't hang out with those friends. Te dijo no te cases con ese hombre y te casaste. Te dijo no vayas con esos amigos y te fuiste. Y en la cárcel, en el problema, ahí clamaste a Jehová y te escuchó. I love the gospel we preach. What do I do, pastor? I'm at the bottom. Guess what? It's the same old answer. Call on the Lord in the day of trouble. And he will deliver you. 
Invoca a Jehová en el día de la aflicción y él te escuchará. God is a God of many chances, not just one or two. The Lord heard and he raised up a deliverer. Now here's what we're coming to tonight. He raised up a deliverer named Othniel. Jehová escuchó el clamor de Israel y levantó un libertador llamado Othniel. Now the name Othniel means lion of God. It also means time of God. El nombre Othniel significa león de Dios y también significa tiempo de Dios. And what I want us to see tonight is that you had a big enemy and a small deliverer. Lo que quiero que veamos esta noche es que tenemos un enemigo grande, se llama doble maldad, y un libertador Pequeño. Why do we call him a small deliverer? Because how many of you ever even heard of Othniel? He's not one of the big ten. You might have read Judges, you, you read about him. And he doesn't even do anything extraordinary. The Bible does not record that he did any great acts. As one of the, the great, or the mighty men of, of Israel, the, uh, one of Jacob, uh, David's mighty men, the Bible said he was walking on a snowy day. He saw a tiger in a pit. He went in there and killed the tiger. No need to do it, but he could, so he did it. That was a great man. Othniel was not that guy. If he saw the tiger, he would have kept walking. And this is why I think it's so important for us to begin with him, because he was just a regular Othniel no era nada especial, no, no hizo nada grande, la, la, la Biblia no, uh, no, re, no cita ningún, ninguna obra específica. Él era un hombre, hombre común. But we're going to give Othniel a, a theme, a title. We're going to call him the consistent man. Vamos a llamarle a Daniel el hombre consistente. Say that with me. The consistent man. Let's try that again. The consistent man. Big enemies can be taken down by consistent men. Enemigos grandes pueden ser destruidos por hombres consistentes. You see, God is not looking for you to be a great deliverer. It doesn't matter if you're a small deliverer, as long as you are consistent. Orniel es como aquel que Dios está buscando hoy. Él no busca un hombre grande que haga grandes cosas, sino un hombre consistente. Are you a consistent person? Es usted un hombre consistente. Listen, listen to what the Bible says about him. Verse 10. Are you with me? 
You didn't go home yet, did you? All right. First of all, it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Dice, el Espíritu de Jehová vino sobre de él. Let me tell you, friend, I don't, it, don't, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how you've failed. It doesn't matter how many times you failed. If you got back up and kept going and you were consistent, all you need on your life is the Spirit of God. Si usted ha fracasado, ha fallado, ha errado, pero usted sigue levantándose, sacudiéndose el polvo, yendo hacia adelante, Dios lo que busca es un hombre consistente y sobre él, él pondrá su espíritu. There is nothing more important for Kingsway Church than the anointing of the Spirit of God. There is nothing more important in your life than the anointing of the Spirit of God. God's Spirit on your life makes you a supernatural force to be reckoned with. El Espíritu de Dios en tu vida te hace una fuerza sobrenatural en este mundo. I, could, I wish I could get some agreement in here. You don't have a degree? All right. Don't have credentials? Okay. Don't have a letter of recommendation? No problem. If you have the Spirit of God on your life, you have the power that you need to accomplish the purpose of God. Say, Lord, give me your spirit without measure. Diga, Señor, dame tu espíritu sin medida. Si usted tiene el espíritu de Dios, usted tiene todo el poder necesario para cumplir el propósito de Dios en tu vida. Romans 8 says that the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is at work in us. Dijo el Romanos 8 que el mismo espíritu que levantó a Jesús entre los muertos está obrando en nosotros. Can I just preach for a moment and tell you that I didn't get a Holy Spirit Junior? I got the same Spirit. You got the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. Usted y yo tenemos el mismo Espíritu. No un Espíritu más pequeño. El mismo que levantó a Jesús entre los muertos está operando en mí. Confess that. The same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is at work is at work is at work is at work in me in my life come on somebody give God praise for that so you can face double evil if you've got the Holy Spirit Without the Holy Spirit, a demon on crutches will get you. Sin el Espíritu Santo, un demonio con un bastón lo va a golpear usted. Pero con el Espíritu Santo, aunque sea el doble maldad, usted tiene más poder que él. If you have the Holy Ghost, double evil has nothing on you. My Lord. Are you receiving the word? The Spirit of the Lord was upon him and he judged Israel. And he went out to war. 
Not only was the Spirit of God on him, but he was a man who fought a holy war. Esta oro no menos solamente, solamente el Espíritu de Dios estaba sobre él, pero él peleó una guerra santa. How many of you are fighting a good fight? ¿Cuántos están peleando la buena batalla? He was consistent about his fight. Era consistente en pelear la buena batalla. Now notice David. David, the Bible says that in the days when the, when the kings went off to war, he stayed home. Dice la escritura de David que cuando los reyes salieron a la guerra, David se quedó en casa. And while he stayed at home, he was hanging out on his roof. He saw a woman bathing named Bathsheba. They got together. He got her pregnant. She said, I forgot to tell you I was married. He said, uh-oh. He said, well, we'll get him over here. He'll, he'll come home for the holidays. And then you'll just tell him that's his baby. And Uriah came home. And he said, I can't, I can't sleep with my wife. I'm, I'm, I've got men on the field right now. I'm going to sleep on the porch. A little man had more integrity than the king. Where should David have been? At war. He should have been fighting a good fight. Instead, he stayed home when everybody else was going out to fight. He wrote up a little note and he sent it with Uriah, didn't he? He said, take this to your general. And Uriah carried his own death sentence and gave it to the general. And the, and the note said, put him on the front lines where he's most likely to be killed. You think David woke up that morning and decided, I'm going to commit a murder today? Not a chance. But he wasn't fighting. He didn't wake up with the mindset that said, I'm at war. Guess what? Friends, you and I are at war. And this is happening in our natural world as it's happening in the spiritual world. The 9-11 Commission told President Bush the Islam was at war with us and we were not at war with them. And wherever a people wake up and, and don't think we're at war, they're about to get beat. So you need to wake up in the morning and know, I'm in a holy war. I'm in a war for my, for my own integrity. I'm in a war for my name. I'm in a war for my family. I'm in a war for my children. And I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. Not only was he a man of war who fought a holy war, uh, but it says that uh, we, we read in the text, we, we see in the text that he possessed land for God. He took new property, new territory. And number four, he was a builder of his family. Y era un edificador de su familia. Now, I just, I want to go ahead here a little bit and talk about consistency. This man was just consistent. Isn't that a funny way of saying it? He was just consistent. Este hombre era consistente. Esto. 
There's some consistent people around here. There's consistent people in every job. If they didn't show up for work tomorrow, that company would fall apart. But they're consistent. There's people in here who have been serving the Lord consistently. Year after year. Didn't get a trophy. Didn't get a medal. Didn't get a recognition. No certificate. Just consistent. Somebody said that consistency is worth more than a few great acts. Alguien dijo que la consistencia vale más que pocas grandes victorias. You might have one or three great, great victories, but that's not worth quite as much as 40 years of consistency or 50 years of consistency. And we're talking about breaking cycles. And so the cycle you're in was consistent because you did the same things consistently. But now you're serving the Lord. You're trying to go to a new level with God, a new level in your, in your finances, a new level in your personal life. Now there is a consistency God is going to require in that new place. And Kingsway, this is our first step to decide this year I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be a consistent church attender. I'm going to be a consistent tither. I'm going to be a consistent prayer warrior. I'm going to have a consistent quiet time. I'm going to have a consistent devotional life. I'm going to have a consistent family altar. You see, if you only pray when you're in trouble, then you teach the people around you, your children, that the only time you need to pray is when you're in trouble. But you need to have an altar when there's nothing going on. Tienes que tener un altar delante de Jehová consistentemente, delante de Jehová, todo el tiempo, no solamente en crisis, no solamente en problemas, pero todo el tiempo. I heard something this, I read something this week that shocked me. It said, many New Year's resolutions fail because your will has lost confidence in your voice. I said, oh. Alguien dijo, sus resoluciones de año nuevo no duran porque muchas veces su voluntad ya no le cree a su voz. Does your will believe your voice? We say, I'm not going to eat tortillas anymore. But your will says, I heard that before. Usted dice, dice, ya no voy a comer tortillas, pero su voluntad dice, eso ya lo oí. Come on, church. That's why we're singing, let my will be lost in thine. Por eso estamos cantando que se pierda mi voluntad en tu voluntad. Some of you, your will no longer obeys your voice. But if the Spirit of God is on you, that means you have all the power you need 
for your will to obey your voice. It's so quiet in here, but I'm comfortable with that. How can we be consistent? First, let's look at this. God is consistent. Aren't you glad God is consistent? Look real quick here. Psalm 110, verse 4. Just jot this down. You won't be able to go there with me right now. But it says, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Psalm 110, verse 4. Genesis 12, verse 2 and 3. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. God spoke that to Abraham. Has he done it? Yes. Hebrews 6, 17 through 18, it says, In the same way, desiring even more to show the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose. Hebrews 13, 8, we all know this one. Jesus Christ is the, the what? Jesus Christ is consistent. Yesterday, today, and forever. Sometimes I go to convention and people tell me, Pastor Isaac, you never change. I'm like Jesus. (laughs) Haven't we read the scripture? It says that God is not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he spoken and will he not do it? God is consistent. And guess what? If God is consistent and God lives in me, that's a formula for consistency. Dios es consistente. Dice su palabra, yo no mentiré. No cambiaré mi mente. Dice también el libro de Números, Jehová no es hombre para que mienta ni hijo de hombre Para que se arrepienta. Si Él lo ha dicho, Él lo hará. Si Dios es consistente y Dios mora en mí, entonces hay habilidad en mí para vivir la vida consistente. Not only is God consistent, but He wants us to be consistent. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Dice Primera de Corintios 15, 58. Entonces, mis amados hermanos, ser establecidos inmovibles, siempre abundando en el trabajo del Señor. James 1. It teaches us that when we pray, we should not pray with a double-minded spirit. Santiago 1 nos enseña que cuando oremos, no debemos orar con una mente doble. Because the scripture says a double-minded man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Dice la escritura ahí en Santiago 1 que el hombre que tiene una doble mente no debe esperar recibir nada de Jehová. Jesus said, Luke 16, 13, no one can serve two masters. 
Lucas 16, 13, Jesús dijo, nadie puede servirle a dos maestros. Say, I want to be a consistent man. Is that the desire of your heart? You remember the story of the tortoise and the hare. ¿Cuándo se acuerdan la historia de el, el conejo y la tortuga? Who won the race? That hare looked good, didn't he, though? ¿Quién ganó la, la carrera? ¿El conejo o la tortuga? Oh, pero el conejo se miraba como la mera cosa. That, that rabbit looked like the real deal. He probably had a family Bible under his arm. Él tenía la Biblia más grande. Y llegaba a la iglesia corriendo. He came to church running, hopping. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Everybody, come on. Why are you laughing? Because you met him, haven't you? Ya lo conocen a este conejo. That rabbit music. You just use what you're given. I don't want I don't want to pastor rabbits. People say, I'll be there. You can count on me, Pastor. And when count on me comes, they don't count. Yo no quiero tener un rebaño de conejos. And I know you aren't. Some of you aren't very consistent but you're going to be pero hay aquellos que dicen ahí voy a estar cuente conmigo y cuando cuenta no está ay pastor esto es muy difícil es muy fuerte esto say pastor this is too strong too hard I know the world we're living in. A world that does what it's right in its own eyes. And you and I can't afford to play games like that. Because I know this, friend, that if you get across the finish line, it's not just you, it's your children. It's your husband, it's your wife, it's your family, it's your whole family tree. It's your descendants. I'm standing before you today, the fourth generation of preachers on both sides of my family. Four generations ago, somebody decided, I'm going to be the consistent man. And I believe that if Jesus tarries, 
in four generations, somebody will be saying, my great-granddaddy, my great-grandmother was a consistent person. They sought the Lord day by day, didn't get any trophies, didn't get any medals, but they fought the good fight of faith. They didn't write any books of the Bible. They didn't preach any sermons, but they were faithful to God. They were consistent in the things they did, consistent in the way they spoke. Their yes was yes, and their no was no. They had a good name, and they kept it. I'm casting a vision for your descendants tonight. Listen, it says that when Othniel defeated double evil, the land rested for 40 years. Do like this. Do like this. Can you see 40 years? What does it look like? What do you see when you look at 40 years? Come on, I'm talking about in your spirit. Come on, do like this. What do you see? Do you see your, your great-grandchildren walking around the same problem you've been going around for the last 10 years? Come on, somebody. I'm talk- what do you see? Is there any faith in here? Is there any faith in here? For somebody to say, look... 40 years from now cannot look like it did 40 years ago. We have got to break this cycle. Enough is enough. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. If God be for me, then who can be against me? If the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of me, then I have the power that I need and the grace that I need to do what God has purposed for my life. I don't believe in 40 years your descendants will be sitting in this church. I thought I could get at least one amen. I said, I don't believe in 40 years if Jesus tarries that your descendants will be sitting in this church. God forbid they're sitting in the same chairs on the same carpet, faded paint. Come on. We need to make sure that we see what God sees and say, we're going for it. Enough is enough. And I understand that maybe where you came from is not four generations of faith. And I'm not trying to say that it's going to be easy. Sister Freeman said something that has been uh, stuck in my spirit over lunch one day. She said, it's a long way to wholeness. It is. You You can't just go to one altar call. And walk home into the same life you were in that morning. And behold, it takes time. It takes a fight. You have to kick and claw your way through trouble and trials. You got to break out that machete and start breaking through those woods. And cutting down those old root systems. And cutting out those old vices and those old troubling things. But friend, it's a long way to wholeness. But there is wholeness. There is a place of stability. There is a place of blessing. There is a place where your great grandchildren can look back and say, you see that path? My grandmother forged that thing on her knees in prayer. My granddaddy forged that path on his knees in prayer. Come on, if enough is enough, get on your feet.
lift your hands and begin to pray. I don't know where you are. If you're in that bottom of the cycle, call on the Lord. Let's call the children back, please. Call on the Lord. Pastor, I've blown it. I've, I've failed. I have fallen. I have messed up. Call on Jesus. If you say, Pastor, I'm not a great person. I don't have all the great gifts. You don't need them. You just need the Holy Ghost. You need a commitment to learn the Word of God and to practice it. for you to get some faith in your spirit and say my descendants will not walk in the same valleys I walked in they will not be bound by the same chains come on activate your faith today 2016 will be a year of difference enough is enough he's taking your harvest enough times Enough is enough. God called you, Othniel. You're God's man because this is God's time. Don't look around for another. You're the man. You're the woman. Right now, right where you stand. You're the deliverer God is going to use.